everybody. Welcome back to Back Porch Leadership, and I'm your host, Ken McQuiston. You know, I got to tell you, today's topic is going to be uh, a little different than some of the ones we've had in the past. Uh, what I'd like to talk about today is something that's kind of upsetting me. You know, I was out on social media this morning, and I had to go through the first 12 items on my Facebook page before I found something positive. It was pretty amazing. People are either bitching and complaining about things like politics, uh, society in general, their friends that they're not talking to, relatives that they're upset with, people who they think have disrespected them in one way, shape, or form, and just one thing right after another. I don't want to wear a mask. I don't like this. I don't like that. But yet, it took me nearly... 13 to 14 entries on my Facebook page before I got to something positive. Conversely, I decided I'd go out to Twitter and try the same thing. One thing right after another, after another about somebody not liking somebody or somebody slamming somebody else. And you know, for those of you who know me, know that I'm like the eternal optimist. I'm the guy that's always a glass half full versus a glass half empty. And you know, I want today's message to be something around the lines of, why don't we try to look for the good? And what I mean by looking for the good is simple. You know, it is really, really easy, especially in the current environment that we're living in, to look for all the bad things in life. Whether it's politics, whether it's, you know, COVID-19 stuff, whether it's uh, racial unrest, whether it's family issues or challenges, whether it's kids going back to school or sports being able to be resumed or, or whatever, we always lean towards that side of the fence that we'd rather complain about something than be thankful for something else. Now, I try to keep a majority of my posts, whether it's in social media or even topics here on this podcast, in a positive light. Because I think there's more good in the world that we're actually giving people recognition for. You know, I, I had the opportunity of watching a, a lot of the uh, Democratic National Convention. And granted, it's not because I'm for one side or the other. It's I'm trying to find out what both sides are talking about. And, you know, the highlight to me was this 13-year-old boy who has a stuttering problem that had the opportunity to talk to basically the entire country about how he felt about one of the candidates. A kid who couldn't get through an entire sentence without getting hung up on a word because of a stuttering issue was able to tell his story. This young boy literally captivated the world. He was the headline on just about every network and it had nothing to do with political motivation other than the fact that it was during a uh, Democratic National Convention event. When was the last time that you went to such great lengths to find the good, to look for the good and talk about that more than the bad? You know, I've even had my share of times where, you know, I, I've I've got this one friend on Facebook and all he wants to do is send me things about the current administration and how horrible they are. And, you know, and he, he's trying to bait me into a conversation that I'm just not going to get into. 
you know, it's really easy for us to throw rocks and stones at people that are standing at the podium. It's really hard at times to be a leader because nine times out of 10, well, you're never gonna make everybody happy. You're just not going to do that. So for us as leaders, we have two choices. We can either choose to be the ones that are flinging, you know, rocks and arrows at people, or we can be the ones that make a difference and try to be proponents of those things that are positive instead of accepting of the, all the things that are not. You know, I've, I've got to tell you, earlier this week, I had the opportunity of doing a webinar for my company where uh, the topic was uh, coaching and leadership. And one of the questions from, from one of the folks in the webinar had to do with the importance of empathy. And they asked me if empathy was important to being a leader. And I couldn't tell you how happy I was to hear that question come from someone, but how disappointed I was is that I didn't think about it as part of my original presentation and, and should have talked about it. It made me actually stop and think for a couple of moments of why I would pass up on something so important as empathy and leadership. Because folks, it's time for us, especially now, to be a little more understanding about some of the things that are going on in the world. Now granted, we don't have control over many of them. But as I talked about last week, it's important for us to know which things we do have control over and to be able to act on them. And as we go through this process, I think it's incumbent upon all of us as leaders, no matter where we are in the food chain, that we accept not only the responsibility, but the accountability of being able to share positive things and looking at the glass as being half full versus half empty. Because if we have that negative or that defeatist type of attitude, or that everything is bad in the world, what do you think the people that we work with for and through think about us? I know I've been blessed to have a lot of really cool leaders around me, but I've had some of those doubting Thomas leaders as well that, you know, everything was bad and there's no way we're going to recover and all this other stuff. And you know what? I chose not to be like that. Now, granted, does that make me perfect? Absolutely not. And will that make you a perfect leader? No. We definitely have to be able to call something the way it is. If something is not going well, we need to call it out. But what's the matter with calling it out in a constructive way that helps everybody rise up? You know, being empathetic as a leader is something so valuable, but so lacking in our society today, that I think it's important that we talk about it a bit. It's important for us to not only be able to direct operations to be completed and, and things like that, but we need to be a little more understanding of the people that are doing those things for us. And what are some of those things that we may be making as a roadblock or a speed bump or a detour that is preventing them from getting done. 
you know, I have a chance of, of leading a team right now that is delivering a project basically across all of North America. And this team had a very refined process in how we were doing this implementation. It was really going well. And then, of course, in February, all things went to hell in a handbasket because of COVID-19. No longer were our teammates able to visit the sites that they were going to. No longer were they having the face-to-face -face and one-on-one -on -one coaching opportunities uh, with the respective sites. And there was a lot of questions about whether or not we're going to be able to continue to deliver not having that capability of getting to the sites. So over the course of the next month or so after that, we had to sit back and reassess the entire way we did business and mold and shift and shape to what we could deliver in a virtual environment. Now granted, we had stubbed our toe a couple of times along the way, but no one on the team at any point in time ever looked at it as an insurmountable task. And my real only role in this process was to provide them some clarity on the history because all of these people were brand new to the project. And telling them how we got to where we are and leaving it up to them to be able to figure out where do we go from here. Not everything that happened along the way was a positive outcome. We had some things that we know we needed to do a little bit better. But we kept positively influencing each other to the point that this week I had the chance to, uh, we, we have one of our teammates that was severely impacted by the storms that went across to Iowa. And other teammates had to step in and deliver some trainings to help this teammate out. And the remarkable thing for me was last Thursday where I logged in to both of the sections that were going on concurrently. I had one group that was delivering a training at one location and another group that was delivering it at another location. And I had them both open on Microsoft Teams at the same time and I was watching the teams do their thing. They were doing these deliveries remotely and they did a freaking fantastic job. And it was pretty amazing too because they were delivering a presentation that when I saw it as me being the leader, I wasn't familiar with it. My first initial thought was that of the Doubting Thomas saying, what the heck is going on here? I don't know what this presentation is all about. How come I didn't know about it? I had all these things running through my head. But as I watched the presentation go on, I realized how good it was. So I took a picture of my two monitors that one had the picture of the one team and one had the picture of the other team. And I saved it for our Friday meeting. And when it was time for me to talk, I brought the picture up, showed them how cool it was to be able to have two teams delivering the same thing virtually that had never been done before in a positive light. And then to find out the reason that they had this new presentation was because another teammate 
who was in Hawaii, had developed and delivered it with a virtual focus and shared it with the other teammates. I don't know about you folks, but to me, that was pretty badass. That was awesome. And here I had the opportunity to bitch, complain, and moan because I didn't know about something and even joked about it in a meeting when we were there together on Friday, but realized just how good it was by what they did together. Now, like I said before, this doesn't mean that every presentation is going to be perfect, that every delivery is going to be perfect, that we're not going to have to correct bad behavior, because that'll always happen. And just like my team, none of us are perfect. But the thing is most incredible to me is when we share things in a positive light, nine times out of 10, you're going to get a positive outcome. And I use this uh, comparison in the past, and, and I'll use it today. I refer to it as my windshield to the rearview mirror perspective. You know, there's a reason why the windshield of our car is really, really big. And the rearview mirror of our vehicle is so much smaller. And that is because the things that are behind us are things that we cannot change. You can't unhit a pothole. You can't unrun a stop sign. You can't undo things that have happened in your past. But the reason we need to know what they are is because we need to learn from them. We need to learn from the mistakes of our past and the challenges that we faced, or even from the successes in our past and be able to emulate them in a way that as we move forward, that it can have a positive impact or a positive influence. You know, when I look at the windshield of my car, I look at opportunity. I look at that as a place that's taking me somewhere. And while I'm in control of that vehicle, I can turn left, I can turn right, I can go straight forward. I can go faster or I could slow down. Or if need be, I could pull over to the side of the road and totally stop. But I realize that as long as I'm behind the steering wheel of that car as a leader, I have some control in the outcome. So for you as leaders, I hope that you take the opportunity that when you're leading your team, when you're leading, or even the influence that you can have on your family, that you do it in a positive way. You know, about a week ago, one of my uh, Air Force buddies, his name is uh, Chief Master Sergeant Retired Jeff Gilbert. Now, I've known Jeff since he was a young airman at his first assignment when we were stationed in Germany together back in 2000. Jeff was that guy when you looked at him, you knew something was gonna be special with this kid. And not only did I recognize it, my wife recognized it, and everybody that was around us knew this kid be a chief someday. 
And of course, Jeff did that. He, he became a chief. He's, he's a great husband. He's a great father. And now he just retired from the military uh, after a, a long career and is now entering the uh, private sector. And Jeff sent me this thing on Facebook. I thought some of you might have seen it. You know, it's to take 10 days pick the 10 best athletes that you have ever watched perform in your life and recognize each one of them on each of the 10 days. So my athletes started off with Bobby Clark, NHL Hall of Famer from Philadelphia, Eric Lindros, another NHL Hall of Famer, Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer, Michael Jordan, of course, Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning. All athletes that I love to watch. But the next four athletes that I all did at one time, I didn't put them in any priority order. They're all my number one athletes that I'd love to watch in my life. But the challenge is for most of you that are on this webcast or podcast, you've never seen them, heard of them, watched them perform or did anything. Because the only books that they're in are my photo albums. The only memories that they spawn for people are memories that my wife and I have. Because our four athletes are our four kids, Rocco, Kyle, Scott, and Megan. They either play football, they wrestled, they played soccer. I mean, they, uh, our daughter was a runner. She ran a half marathon in, in St. Louis. Then my wife and I were screaming like liberating idiots as she crossed the finish line after finishing her half marathon. And they've all gone to do great things in their lives. But the thing that's most interesting is that the people that you uplift, the people that you share positive things with, the people that you have this impact to, don't have to be famous in anybody else's mind other than yours. There are so many people that I could, you know, talk about in a positive light, you know, starting with my mom and my dad, you know, my brother and my sister, all our family members, my my brother and sister-in-law, Paul and Cindy Kozai, with how they wrestled with the unfathomable challenge of losing a child and seeing their resiliency and dignity as they dealt with it. But even with Paul and Cindy, they always look for the good. And that is one thing that I'll never be able to ever have exit my mind was the positivity for which they handled their challenges. So even in light of all the things that are going on in our world right now, I implore you all to try to look for the good, to find that thing in your in your event in your current place in life that time that's going on right now with your teams that you lead or the families at home that instead of looking for the excuse to find something bad look for the reason to find something good there's not a day that goes by where i don't make a mistake that i don't screw something up that i don't say the wrong thing or don't do the right thing and, and, you know, that's just going to happen. I know that. But if I can take a score at the end of the day 
My only hope is that I made fewer mistakes today than I made yesterday. And then I'm going to make even fewer tomorrow. So I'm going to do everything I can to single out the people that I either work with, live with, or hang out with and find those positive things that will make them feel better about who they are than they did before. You know, I had, I had a boss that was so kind and nice. His name is Gene Gardner. He was a, a command chief in Air Mobility Command. And this is the guy that, you know, we lost Gene to cancer several years ago, but Gene and his wife, Nola, just incredible, incredible people. This is the guy that could tear you apart, but he would do it in such a way that you felt so much better about yourself when it was done. I don't think the man had a hurtful bone in his body or ever said a hurtful thing about anyone. But he was that guy that could get us to be better than we were, simply by the way they treated the way he treated people. So going forward, this is my simple ask. Go out there, do the things you need to do as a leader. Be that person that will sometimes have to make that tough decision. And granted, sometimes going to have to give corrective feedback or maybe even some directional feedback to people about how they're either performing or how they're not meeting a standard. But never miss the opportunity in what we do every day to look for the good. Because there's a ton of things around us that are really, really good things. You know, I use this phrase quite often and folks get a chuckle out of it. They'll say, you know, hey, how you doing? I said, you know, if I was any better, I'd have to be tested. Now, granted, in today's vernacular, using the word tested is, doesn't come with a, uh, you know, a great thing. But the fact of the matter is I, I have this process in life that, you know, if, if I wake up in the morning and I can swing my feet out and they hit the floor and I get to stand up and go vertical, it's a good day. If anything challenging is going to happen, it's going to happen after I wake up. So for you out there as leaders, what are you doing to look for the good? What are you doing to help uplift your teams? And really, what are you doing to uplift yourself? You know, we as leaders not only have to be there for the folks that we lead, but we have to be there for ourselves. If you're facing a challenge, if you're facing an issue, and you're finding it difficult to look for the good, reach out. Reach out and ask for that help to help you find your happy place, to help you find your good. Because if you're unable to look for the good in anything, you're never going to be able to find it for the folks you lead. 
I've had times in my life where I've had to ask for help. And it's not always the most prideful thing to do. None of us as leaders ever want to admit we have a challenge or we need help with something. But I've always found that the greatest leaders that I've ever come across are ones that face some pretty huge, somewhat insurmountable tasks or challenges that wound up coming out on the other side looking for the good. So this is going to wrap up my comments for this week. I hope you find them uh, useful for you as leaders. And I'm going to add something on this week. Uh, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, I'm going to add a new segment that's called Some Final Thoughts. So I hope you're able to stick around and uh, with us. And hey, till next time, lead on. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And this week, I wanted to add a little segment uh, to see if it uh, fits into the podcast called Some Final Thoughts. And what I like to use this is, is, you know, maybe to address an issue or two uh, that's happening in the world that uh, I'd like to share some thoughts on. And this is pretty personal to me uh, because over the last two weeks, my United States Air Force did some pretty historic things. It was time for a turnover in leadership where both the chief of staff of the Air Force and the chief master sergeant of the Air Force, the highest officer and enlisted members of the respective service would transition out and a new team would come in. And General Goldfiend and Chief Wright, the outgoing chief of staff and chief master of the Air Force did a phenomenal job. I had the privilege of knowing uh, General Goldfein pretty well uh, as our, our careers had passed many times. Uh, Chief Wright, I, I knew of him, but I didn't really know him personally, but I got to follow him very closely during his tenure and I was pretty impressed with some of the things he did while on active duty. But the people that came in to replace them is a General C.Q. Brown and a Chief Joanne Bass. Now, the bringing on of a new chief of staff and chief master in the Air Force are huge, big things in the United States Air Force, but not normally for mainstream America, mainstream America. But this year, it was significantly different. And the reason being is because General C.Q. Brown is the first African-American chief of staff ever in the United States Air Force. And Chief Joanne Bass is the first female Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force ever. Now, that is a pretty big deal. I can tell you that from, from the enlisted perspective, from the time I came on active duty in 1982 until present, every time that there was a transition of the Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, the question would come up, is it time for us to have a female CMSAF? And it was always a topic of debate for as long as I can remember. And I used to have this thing that I would say to people that, of course, it's time to have a female chief master in the Air Force. 
But it's more important to the Air Force to have the right chief master sergeant, regardless of their gender or their ethnicity or their backgrounds. So the reason I bring this topic up, and again, I want to make sure that is is the truest respect of both of these great leaders. That it's more important to me that General C.Q. Brown has the ability and experience to lead our Air Force from the officer perspective. And it's more important to me that Chief Bass is able to lead the enlisted corps in our United States Air Force than it is to their race or gender. I would hope that at some point in time, our society can get to a place where we put the professional experience and knowledge of an individual ahead of their race or gender. I would so like for us as a service to say General C.Q. Brown is a great general and a great leader who happens to be black. And for Chief Joanne Bass to be known as an exceptional leader person and someone who cares about our force who just happens to be a woman. We're at a place right now where we are so divided on so many issues that we are looking for reasons to divide instead of reasons to unite. And I hope that not only as we talk about our presidential elections that are going on, that we may have the first female vice president, that that are also a, a vice president of color, uh, that this opportunity for the Air Force is used as a leveling point in a way that brings us all closer together. I know that there are many issues and challenges that are far above my knowledge and experience level. And for me, being a white male, I'm always going to be considered the privileged guy or whatever. But I can tell you right now, I have more respect for people and what they do and who they are and what they're willing to fight for in their personal lives than I care about somebody's color, gender, religious beliefs, or ethnicity. I could care less of what your sexual orientation is, as long as you're going to be able to do the things that you need to do in the role that you are in, that's all that matters to me. And it doesn't matter whether it's in the military or in the civilian world. I want to make sure that or hope that at some point in time in my lifetime, in my children's or my grandchildren's lifetime, that it's not a big deal if a person of color is selected for a role. And it's not a big deal if someone who is female is selected for a leadership role. That would be such a great thing for us 
to be able to be a part of than just about any other thing that I can imagine. So, congratulations to General Brown and congratulations to Chief Bass. I don't I don't know either one of you personally, but I sure hope that someday our paths will cross and maybe we could have a, a chat or two. But I wish you all the best in leading the greatest Air Force in the history of the world and wish you and your families all the best going forward. And for all of you out there listening, till next time, lead on.